Last week we covered uh, the, a lot of the genealogies, and I gave you I gave you some scientific data last week on how we can substantiate the ages of some of the people in the Bible that were six, seven, hundred, eight hundred, even nine hundred years old. So if you didn't hear that and you are suspect, you you are suspicious of some of the ages that were given in the Bible and and and. You, in, in, in uh, your great understanding, uh, don't believe the Bible. You believe that you're right and the Bible's wrong. I encourage you to, read, to listen to that message from last week. It's posted online, as are the slides that, I, that were associated with that message. There's, there's been some, some uh, chatter on the Internet that, that some of the ages in, in Genesis chapter 11... Uh, when it says the ages, for example, in, in uh, verse 18, Peleg lived 30 years and he became the father of Ryu, that, that six of the ages were dropped off by a hundred years. And uh, um, so in other words, that some of these people were 130 when they had their child, not 30. And, and that's because of, of what's written in the Septuagint and what's written in the Samaritan text. Uh, I'm not enough of a Bible scholar to to make a call on that, not at all. But um, uh, what you'll find is that is that uh, uh, the vast majority of scholarly texts are going with the Masoretic text, the very words that we have in this portion. But nevertheless, it does not affect the analysis that we talked about last week and the ages of people in the Bible. Okay, so if if uh, um, We're going to pick it up in verse 31 of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Terah took Abram, his son. I'm sorry, we'll pick it up in uh, um, in verse 26. Genesis 11, 26. Terah lived 70 years and he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth, in Ur of the, the, the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The names of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarah was barren and she had no child. Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So, it talks about this man Terah. What happened is, the Bible has focused on humanity. We we learned about... about, uh, uh, Adam and Eve and humanity that birthed forth from that, and then the flood and everything went back down to Noah's family, as well as his three daughter-in-laws, and then it expanded from there, from his children started 70 different nations from his, his sons, 70 different nations were birthed from his son. And then we see at the beginning of chapter 11, we see that that the nations, many of the peoples got together and they were going to build this tower. God disrupted that. And in fact, the, the, the Tower of Babel, the, the, the ruins of some of the base of the Tower of Babel still exists, has been found archaeologically. 
But now God is going to focus in on one line, and so he focuses in on the line of Shem, and that one son of, of Noah, Shem, and then he comes down and he focuses in, he's going to focus right in on one man, and that's the son of Terah, and that is Abram. And so, but within this, so he tried with mankind, there were three failures, there was the failure in the garden, there was the failure in Genesis chapter 6, and the failure in Genesis chapter 11. And now he's going to focus in on one man with the intent of then expanding it through to the world, through that one man's seed, and through the giving of the Messiah. So God knows exactly what he's doing. And so Terah has three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran is going to end up dying. Abram marries... Uh, 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 Sarai, and it says Sarai was barren. We learn from later on in Genesis that Sarai was actually his half-sister. So Abram is, is, marries his half-sister. Nahor marries his niece, Haran's daughter. And, and, and then Haran dies. And then they move into a, a land called Haran. All right? So there's this son named Haran. Haran dies. They move into a land called Haran. And you're like, wow, that's too much. Well, do you think anyone named Charlotte lives in Charlotte, North Carolina? Do you think anyone with the name Washington lives in Washington State? You know, so, so sometimes there's people with the same name that live in, in, in a town of the same name. I mean, that, that certainly happens. And, and uh, so now the focus is right in, and there is this call where, where it, it says that, that Terah took Abram and his son and his grandson, and they, they went... Uh, they left Ur of the, Ch- the Chaldeans and they went in order to enter the land of Canaan. Most scholars think that this is just written by Moses who knows where they're going, but these people at that time didn't know where they were headed. And that's, that's revealed to us in chapter 12. And they settled there. That, that maybe they were supposed to have moved on. Maybe Terah should never have settled there. But he did and he ended up dying. So now now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12 and we're going to start on this man, Abram. Now this man, Abram, the Bible is going to focus right in on him. So we have learned about all of humanity from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11. Eleven chapters have talked about all of humanity. We're going to now spend 14 chapters talking about one man, Abram and his family. That's how important the guy is. The, guy is, the man is mentioned multiple times in the New Testament. So there's a, in, in, the, in the book of Romans, justification by faith, there's a whole chapter on justification by faith and using Abraham. Abram's name eventually becomes Abraham. So he goes from the, the, father, of many pe- the, the father of many to the father of many people. God changes his name to Abraham. So there's a whole chapter on him in, in, in Romans. There's two chapters on him in, in Galatians, where it's written about, about Abraham, how he was justified, not by works, but by faith. And so uh, multiple, multiple uh, uh, references to him in the New Testament. This man is probably the most important man in the Bible, aside from Jesus. This man. And now we're going to begin to get into his life. Verse 1 of chapter 12 of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. 
And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So it says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, this whole thing is, starts out with the Lord said to Abram. This is now the Lord speaking to him. If we contrast this to, to the beginning of Genesis chapter 11, it says that, uh, um, that the people said in verse 3, in Genesis 11:3, the people said to one another, come let us make, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used the bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come let us. Build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So everything was man saying, humankind saying, let us, let us, let's do this all about us. This chapter starts with God. This is the first time God speaks since Noah. A thousand years before. This is the first time we see God actually speaking. He spoke to Noah who was born a thousand years before, but He actually spoke to Noah when Noah was 600. So it's been 500 years or so since God has spoken, revealed speaking in the Bible. God has no problem being silent. And now God speaks, and the whole thing is initiated with the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abram doesn't know where he is going. And it says in, in the book of Hebrews that Abram set out to a land that he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what the last stop was going to be. He just said, you start walking and then I'm going to bring you to a land that I will eventually show you. Many times we have to proceed on faith. We don't know what the future is. If the Lord would just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Well, he's not in the habit of that. Very often directs in different ways. And it says that the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. So he separates him. He separates him from his surroundings. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 and 34. It says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. That we become like who we hang around. Now, who was Abram, Abram's family at this time? And then verse 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, be sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So what he's saying is these people you're hanging around in 1 Corinthians, they have no knowledge of God. They act like this because they have no knowledge of God. You have knowledge of God. Separate from them. He says bad company corrupts good morals. So if you've got friends who have no knowledge of God, and you say, well, they're my friends, you know, they do it, it's okay for them, it's not okay for you, you're different. When my kids were growing up, they would say, oh, these other kids do, I say, we're different. Our family is different. We're going to do things differently. So we made a distinction in our family between what other families do. Other families, they all slept in. No, we were going to get up and have our morning time together as a family. We were different. 
And so we define these rules. And we do the same thing for our own lives. We are different. We get into patterns. I mean, most people don't wake up in the morning and spend time with the Lord. But you're called to be different. You're called to be different. You want to serve the Lord? You be different. You wake up in the morning and you spend time with God. You don't have to. But He's calling you to be different. He says, bad company corrupts good morals. Don't do what these people do. In fact, in fact, it's very good to, to mimic, to copy the patterns of people whom you really admire. And so there are men in my life that discipled me and I have patterned my life after their life. I've patterned my behavior, how I, how I order my day. I've learned from them to rise up early. I've learned from them how, how, how they, they structured their prayer lives. I watched their lives. I want to learn from them. It's good to pattern your lives after them. I took a, a Dave Ramsey's course on, on uh, um, financial things, and I brought my kids through this. And what I learned from Dave Ramsey is you do what rich people do. Where rich people invest is the good place to invest. Watch what rich people do. Don't do what poor people do. If you want to manage your money well... Do what rich people do. And, I, and it's, it's, it's helped me a lot. You know, there's been some times that I've had investments and I didn't know what to do, and so I talked to rich people. What do you do? Where do you invest your money? And so I learned from them, and it's, it's, it's always been good for me. I just, I just follow the big money. You know, so I put in my nano dollars where they put in their macro dollars, and, and, uh, and my, my nano dollars become milli dollars. And, and, and so that, that's, that's the way it works. But you, you pattern yourself in this way. The Lord said to him, you go forth, you separate yourself from your relatives. Now, it's not easy to separate yourself. Not easy. Especially if you have good friends. I remember when, when I was in college, I had a, a good friend named Gordon. And uh, uh, he was not a believer. I had become a believer. We knew each other before. Before I was a believer, I became a believer. He did not. And he was a very good friend of mine. And, uh, um, but, but being around him was leading me into the wrong way. And I remember that time when I finally made the decision, no more. I just, I just can't hang out with you. And uh, uh, it, was, it, it was one summer, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be passing from Buffalo through Syracuse where you are. It was in the summertime. And I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go down and visit some folks in New York City. And uh, I said, Gordon, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I just really not in this. He says, I'm picking you up. So he's on his way from Buffalo towards Syracuse, New York, which is in the middle of the state. Buffalo's in the western part of the state. And he's supposed to be there at a certain hour. There were no cell phones in those days. And, uh, um, you know, he's late by like one hour, two hours. And I'm wondering, what's happening? And I had prayed, Lord, Lord, give me the strength just to tell my friend no. I mean, it's not easy to tell your old friends no. And uh, finally, I get a call. He says, I'm not coming. He says, I, I hit a deer on the way down. And my car is totaled. And I was like, I thank God that he hit that deer. That deer was just, just, just a burnt offering, as far as I'm concerned. And, and it, it, it just protected me. And I was really sincere. And I prayed God would protect me. And God really did. You know, he hit that deer and his car was totaled. And he wasn't coming to pick me up and, and take me anywhere. You have to separate yourselves. He says, you go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. So often you do not know the direction that you are going. You just don't know. And God doesn't spell it all out for you. What am, what am I going to do when I graduate? 
I don't know. I mean, what's your major? You know, and, 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 and you begin to figure things out as, as, as time comes. He reveals it to you. He doesn't map out your life all at once. And now comes the... the, the, the uh, uh, so, so this first part, this verse 1, was the command. In verse 1 was the command. It was to separate yourselves from your family. Now remember, his father was on his way down, and, and he was to separate himself from his family. And so he's, he starts to separate himself from this. And, and uh, um, this is the command. You go forth from your country, you go forth from your relatives, and you leave your father's house. Now, interestingly enough, Sarah, he, he of course took his wife, Sarah, but he ends up taking Lot, his, his nephew, as well. He takes his nephew, Lot. Now, was he supposed to take nephew, his Lot? It's interesting, God had told him to separate from your father's house. Now, his, his nephew was fatherless. There was another brother and there were other family members there up there in Haran. But he brought this, this nephew with him. And that ended up causing him some real problems. And it ended up being a problem for the nephew as well. But anyway, he sets out, and this is the command. You do this... And then God does three things. You do this, and I'm going to do three things with you. That's what the Bible says. He said, you leave your family, you head on to the, this place that I have for you. And in verse 2, here's what I'm going to give you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So that now is the three things God is going to do. You separate yourself from your family... And I'm going to bless you with these three things. I will make you a great nation. Isn't it interesting, in chapter 11, this is exactly what the people wanted. They wanted to form a city, a nation for themselves. God says, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to build my career. I'm going to make this thing work. Well, good for you. You go ahead and try that. I would rather say, Lord, you build it for me. Lord, you do this. God said to, to Abram, you do what I ask you to do, and I will make you a great nation. Now remember what it just said at the end of, of chapter 11. Sarah, Sarai, his wife, was barren. Sarai was barren. Abram hears this, I will make you a great nation. This whole thing of I will make you a great nation revolves around his having children. His wife is barren. It immediately calls him to an act of faith. That God will make this come true. That God's word. He says, and I will make you a great nation. When God says, I will, remember, it has to happen. It can't not happen. It has to happen. Because when God says, I will, that is like saying, let there be light. It has to happen. Heaven and earth will move to make it happen. When God says, I will make you a great nation. But when we're in the midst of it, it's much harder to believe. We look back and we say, yeah, God kept his promise with Abraham. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. Imagine God of heaven and earth saying, I will 
bless you. That means blessings are sure to come. They have to come. The blessings have to come because God said, I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Isn't that interesting? I will make your name great. In, in chapter 1, they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower who, 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 and, who, that will reach to heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. In chapter 11, they wanted to make for themselves a name and God says to Abram in chapter 12, I will make your name great. Make the decision today. I call you to make the decision today. Will you seek to make your name great? Or will you allow God to make your name great? Go ahead and see the competition that you will have in life. There's a lot of very smart and very talented people out there. Go ahead, compete with them. Or you can say to the Lord, Lord, you make my name great. Lord, you do that. He said, I will make your name great. I mean, who has a greater name than Abraham? Like nobody except Jesus Christ. I mean, he's the father of three world religions. Everybody knows this guy, Abraham. He says, I will make your name great. The very thing the world wanted to do for themselves, let us do this. He says, I'll make your name great. And then he says, and, and so you shall be a blessing. You, he says, I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. This, and so you shall be a blessing, is not one of the things that God is going to do. He's commanding him to do this. So the, the first verse was, you do this, I'm going to give you these three things. I will make your name, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. And now he comes and he says, and you shall be a blessing. God commands it. You shall be a blessing. God commands him. You shall be a blessing. And what is the result of that? If you do that, according to the command, you yield to that, he says, this is what I'm going to do. Three things for you again. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse uh, 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 and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. He says, and you shall be a blessing. Abraham is now obliged to bless other people. Abraham is now obliged to do good. He is obligated to do good. God commands him, you shall be a blessing. He commands that to you too. If you are an unbeliever here today, you do not know Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a blessing to anybody. You don't. You're under no such command. You don't have to be good to anyone. You're under no such command. If you are a believer, and you name yourself according to the, the ways of Jesus Christ, you are commanded to do that which is good for others. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It is an intent. You overcome evil with good. Our lives are full of evil. How do you overcome that? You do acts of good. And I've told you before and I'll tell you again. I've seen many people tell me about the frustrations they have at work, their boss or different things. I say, find out what does your boss like? 
Does your boss drink Starbucks? Oh, yeah, she comes in every day. She's got this store. Find out what she drinks. Buy her one of those and bring it to her. And she said, I, I brought this to my boss. And she was just so amazed. She was just so amazed. She, and then she invited me out to lunch. You overcome evil with acts of good. You overcome evil with an act of good. There was, a, there was another young lady. I said, what, what are your bosses like? She said, oh, you know, they're just... These guys are always talking about hunting and guns and stuff. I said, okay, let me tell you what they'd like. You go and you get these particular gun magazines and, and go by them and just bring it to them. And she, she did that and she said, they were so excited. So it changed the whole atmosphere in the office of these, these guys who just talked about shooting and hunting because she bought them these magazines. I mean, these guys... I'm just telling you, guys who do shooting and hunting love shooting and hunting magazines. They just like it. No, not that type of magazine. I mean a magazine that you read. <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, so, so, so that, that, that changed the whole tenor of the conversation. In first. Thessalonians 5.15, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it said, it says, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for another and for all, and for all people. He commands us. Remember, the New Testament, the, the, the epistles are the command to us. What is the command to us in 1 Thessalonians 5.15? See that no one repays another with evil for evil. If somebody does you wrong, you are not to strike back. You are not to do back. That is the natural thing. He did that to me, I'll do it to him. I fight fire with fire. He wants a war, I'll give him war. That is unchristian and unbiblical. And you will destroy your life. Because, remember, they don't know God. You do. He calls us to something better. You say, well, they're Christians too. Well, they're not walking in it. You're to walk in it. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. But always seek after that which is good for another and for all people. We are to seek after that which is good for another. We are to seek for that. It's not just going to fall on you like, oh, I discovered this piece of gold, I think I'll give it to somebody. No, it doesn't just drop on you that way. You are to seek out a way to be good to another. This is commanded of us. This is a commandment for us. God commanded Moses, uh, commanded Abram, you are to be a blessing. You are to be a blessing. And as we go through the life of Abram, we're going to see how this man was a real blessing. You say, where did all this come from? It came from this command. He said, and so you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. You are to seek after that which is good for another and for all other people. You're to seek that out, how to be good to another. You want to be blessed in your life? You seek out how to be good to another person and your life will be blessed. What can I do to bless you? Let me tell you what it's going to cost you. 
It's going to cost you money. And it's going to cost you your time. And it's going to cost you your pride. It's even going to cost you sometime your reputation because you're going to end up doing things that you think are below you. Why, why should I clean the bathroom? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not his janitor. I'm not her janitor. No, that's a very good place to begin. I remember hearing the story when the, when the Salvation Army first started. The Salvation Army wasn't just somebody with a, ringing a bell with a red kettle. They used to go into other countries and they really used to preach the gospel while doing good works. And this man went, and, and, and this, this Salvation Army has been around for 150 years or more. And, and uh, uh, this, famous, this famous preacher wanted to go out with the Salvation Army, and he went out, and he says, you know, where can I begin working? And they said, oh, you're to clean the latrines, clean the bathrooms. It's like, do they know who I am? No, it was with intent, you're to clean the bathrooms. And the next day, you clean the bathrooms again. And the next day, you clean the bathrooms again. After a few months of cleaning the bathrooms, they said, now you're ready for the next step. We are to take of ourselves and put ourselves in positions of bathroom cleaners. We set up chairs. We mop floors. We pick up papers. That is a good thing. It says, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another. Always look at the other's best interest, not your own. This is a commandment to us. We're going to see the blessings that come upon this man, Abraham, because he obeyed when God said, you do this and I'll bless you. He was commanded to be a blessing. We are commanded to be a blessing. Jesus, the Son of God, is a gift to us. The Bible says God gives us a free gift in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the free gift. It says Jesus humbled himself even below the angels becoming a human in order to be with us. God condescends and becomes a person and then dies for us. Didn't just clean the bathroom, but dies for us. This is the image of God. This is what God Himself does. He lowers Himself to reach us. This is the model that's put before us. God in Christ, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is not like those religions that just say, serve me, serve me. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is the picture of God. You want to know what God is like? It is one who will condescend and lower himself for another. That is what God is like. That is what He calls us to in Christ. We are to lower ourselves and do that which is good for another, something that is below us. That is what we are to do. That's what's modeled to us. And then Jesus gives His life for us. And He says, will you receive that gift? There's a free gift in Jesus Christ. If you do not know the Lord today, I implore you, look at Jesus. Look at the gift of God. The greatest gift that could be given is not one's own life, but the life of the child, the life of your child. You would die a hundred times for your child. And that's what God does. 
He gives us the life of His Son. That is the demonstration of His love. Receive Him this day. Receive Jesus Christ this day. God demonstrates this. God calls Abraham to this. Why? Because that's the way God is. God is always doing this. You know, we scoff at God, we throw Him off, we... and He comes and He continues to love us. And He continues to do things that are in our best interest. Come to Jesus this day, because Jesus has given His life for you. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for the great things that You have done. Lord, I pray for the, for the people here today. If there's someone here who does not know You, Lord, I pray that You would work in their lives to cause them to know You. Father, that this day they would pray and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. And Father, I pray for those here who call themselves believers in Jesus Christ, that they would humble themselves, as did Abram, to be a blessing to others, to never repay evil for evil, but that they would overcome evil with acts of good. Father, that they would always be looking out for the other's interest rather than their own. Father, teach them how to lower themselves and follow the image of God and then realize the blessings that will flow as they do this. And Lord, I commit them to you. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.